Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous program, I made reference to Vladimir Putin, president of the so-called Russian Federation. De facto dictator for life over Russia. As we now have officially have (laughs) dictator for life in communist China. There was a formality, a change wherein the president, Xi Jinping, made himself president for life. A.K.A. dictator for life, head of the communist regime in mainland China. Well, I made reference to President Vladimir Putin. President Putin, dictator Putin. Refer to him as you choose. He is, in point of fact, dictator, even though supposedly popularly elected over and over and over, and yet each time there has been evidence of rampant fraud, voter fraud as noted by international monitors. But that aside, he is the leader in Russia. Going back to a source document, otherwise known as the Holy Bible, God refers to the fact that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Now, that was with reference to when monarchy was the rule, when kings reigned, and they were not merely ceremonial figures, figurehead royalty. They were actual, factual, powerful dictator kings. And God stated that he ruled not only in the heavens, but he ruled on this earth in the kingdom of men. And he set up over men, the basest of men to rule, which to me is is remarkable and mysterious and inexplicable and diametrically contrary to my desires and wishes. Not what I want. I don't want the worst of the worst to be in charge. I don't want the worst of the worst to rule and reign, whether it is as a de facto dictator or some other version of a dictator, or whether it happens to be in a so-called democracy or a pure democracy where you have utter mobocracy. 
The founding fathers of this nation, that is the men referred to as the founding fathers, not the true founding fathers, the founding fathers in point of fact were the pilgrims and the Puritans, but those who are recognized as the founding fathers, those who founded this government, eh, not the government we have right now, but who formed this government, who risked, who hazarded their lives, their treasures, that is, their riches, their honor, their family and loved ones, to break free from a despotic royal monarchy over Great Britain. Those founding fathers, interestingly enough, they might be looked at and have been by some as being an American aristocracy, monarchy, royalty, celebrities. Well, interestingly enough, even though they founded a government which is considered by the great unwashing masses out here to be a democracy, that they formed, they founded a democracy, they formed and founded a republic. And they, virtually to a man, had considerable apprehensions, misgivings, anxieties about a democracy that a democracy invariably tended towards mobocracy. And they did not trust handing over rulership of this newly founded nation, governmental entity, to the masses. Why was that? Was that just that these... Men were, you know, terrible, of course, odious creatures, (laughs) terribly biased, terribly prejudiced, wicked men. You know, as, as the modern historians, revisionist historians and educators, academicians and so forth would have us believe and certainly have very carefully and continually indoctrinated the young to believe. The young like this teenage girl down in Parkland, Florida, who made some rude, vulgar, profane statement regarding the president and the NRA, and who was puffed by the major media elite, so that virtually overnight she had 1.2 million people entranced in following her because she's such a wonderful, exemplary role model 
for all of them so that instead of them thinking for themselves, they could follow this so incredibly bright light of a young woman, a teenage girl. Amazing. (laughs) They would defer thinking for themselves because her thinking was clearly so superior. And she clearly had such superior character and all of these outstanding qualities that they would glom onto her. It's the age of idiocy. You know, we keep having these new generations named by certain qualities or certain developments or certain inventions. Right, the communication age or the technology age or what have you. This is the age of idiocy. Now, things have gotten closer and nearer to reaching their ultimate end, and that is where stupidity and ignorance and the utter opposite of wisdom Gross foolishness rules and reigns. But this isn't something new, as I've referred to in the past, going back decades. There have been many who have entered broadcasting or have entered movie making, the entertainment industries, certainly politics, and who have with the exception of politics, flagrantly, blatantly, brazenly espoused and promoted vileness, lewdness, profaneness. Now, those in the political realm and those in juror land, judgeships, judges, those in those particular fields, have had to cloak their true agendas, typically. Oh, they bear their souls in private amongst their like-minded ones, helpers. And those who fund them, those who support them, those who promote them in the press and via the major media and in closed sessions here and there, drumming up support for them and putting them forth and promoting them, then... All of their evil agendas are exposed as they need to be in order to garner the support of the powerful movers and shakers behind the scene who use these evil ones, even as they are evil, use them as operatives, political operatives, judicial operatives. But those who blatantly, brazenly, flagrantly flaunt their vileness, lewdness, profaneness via the airwaves, via entertainment industry, movies, television, 
TV miniseries, TV movies, what have you. So many have succeeded brilliantly, you might say, because there have been so many people who are just enamored with this. And interestingly enough, one example, one extremely vivid example of this, Howard Stern, whose wife now graces Hallmark Channel every year as far as for pet rescue, so on and so forth. Well, dear Howard Stern, such a stellar individual, you know, going back to the 90s, the early 90s, 92, 93, his program was being broadcast out of northern Virginia, among other places. And I know I've bent the ear of some who may have heard this before, but I made an appeal to a program director of a radio station there. And he said, well, what are you going to do for us? And I said something to the effect that I would try to win back those listeners who have been driven away by, offended, and repelled by the likes of Howard Stern. And I got an earful from this guy who then launched into a tirade about how Howard Stern was the most talented, the most gifted, the most successful, blah, 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 talent that they had. And you look at Howard Stern and his base of support at that point in time, and as he told me, What was the demographic that was the strongest in his corner that was responsible for his success? Teenage boys and post-teenage young men. Interestingly, this demographic just happens historically to have been the strongest supporters of induced abortion. I know that's shocking news. After all, we know that it's women, it's young women, it's women, so on and so forth. No, the strongest demographic supporters of induced abortion have been very young men, up through young men, up through men. Amazingly enough, why? Well, we can get to that on another day, but dear Howard Stern's strongest support was from that base. The same base in terms of age demographic as this girl, as this teenage girl, is succeeding brilliantly in leading a future political leader for the United States of America, who undoubtedly will make the likes of Dianne Feinstein and former Senator Barbara Boxer and current Senator Kamala Harris and so on and so forth, undoubtedly make them look extremely conservative by comparison, (laughs) 
right? Something to look forward to. Well, God Almighty stated that he put the basest of men in charge. So you might think, well, that was then. That's not now. Right? That was way back when in those bad, evil days of these tyrannical monarchies, of which there were many of which the world was replete with. It certainly wasn't in the days of democracy. (laughs) Heavens, no. No. Not in the days of the likes of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, Lyndon Baines Johnson. William Jefferson Clinton. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Barack Hussein Obama. Donald Trump. And many others. As far as I'm concerned, the one over these past many, many decades in the United States of America that clearly, unmistakably, is not that. was Ronald Reagan. And yet, Ronald Reagan, he had blind spots galore. Not only did he select in a reactionary way, he selected George Herbert Walker Bush, his opponent, to be his vice president. On the rebound, because Gerald Rudolph King Ford was going to really rule To go and select your adversary to be in your corner. It goes back to the founding fathers. Of course, you know, the person that garnered the second most votes would then be vice president. Terrible idea. Really terrible idea. What you then wind up with is a weaker Presidency. But you see, the founding fathers were very concerned about the presidency being too powerful. So it seemed like a reasonable way to try to temper or moderate or minimize the power of the presidency. It didn't last for long, did it? But the basest of men, democracy routinely gives us the basest of men and women as our rulers, as our leaders in this nation and abroad. Vladimir Putin is a danger to the United States of America, whether you accept it or not. But Why is he, why 
Is he such a danger? Why does he represent such a threat to the United States of America? It is because of decades of erosion of the fabric of society. that holds this nation together, that held this nation together, the moral fiber, the character of this nation. No matter what you hear from the celebrity billionaires and what have you out there, to the contrary, this nation has been severely compromised. And every year, it is more so. And you don't gauge that by what's going on with the stock market. And what do the European nations think of the United States of America? And what do the major media elites say? Instead, it's reckoned by looking at what are the social mores of the nation. What were they and what have they devolved to? Vladimir Putin may not be viewed as a communist, If he's a communist, he certainly conceals it. May not be viewed by some as a fascist, as being a fascist. May be viewed by some as being more akin to mafia, organized crime. But he has succeeded in taking control, in taking power, and in increasing that power, solidifying that power and increasing it over Russia and reaching out to include former Soviet slave states. And he is by no means done. Now, sure, he could pass away overnight, right? I mean, that can happen. That could happen with Vladimir Putin, could happen with Xi Jinping, could happen with Donald Trump, and so on and so forth. Any strong man out there, leader or dictator or whoever, whatever position they happen to be in, could be gone in a day's time. But, assuming that that doesn't happen, that he doesn't die from natural causes, (laughs) he is, he represents a tremendous threat to the security of the United States of America. Why is that? He is, whether recognized or not, he is an enemy of the United States, but foreign enemy. 
Our presidents always take that oath, you know, to safeguard the United States of America against enemies foreign and domestic. And of course, Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham and Albert Arnold Gore Jr. did a bang-up job on making white Christian males, white patriot militia, the poster children for domestic enemies. They comprised the entirety of domestic enemies of the United States of America, according to the narrative that Bill and Hill foisted upon this nation for the eight years that they ran roughshod over the White House and over the federal government, and as they have continued to promote these lies since their departure, in which they (laughs) sacked liberty and the White House. But domestic enemies of the United States of America, what are they? Really? The fact of the matter is, there were Islamist terrorist cells, cell networks in this nation going back throughout the Clinton regime. They did nothing against them. And Islamists were directly involved in the Oklahoma City Murrah building terrorist attack. And, of course, the 93, 1993 World Trade Center bombing. But domestic enemies, what are domestic enemies? Are they only those who set off bombs and create hysteria, murder people outright. Going back to the Bill Ayers and Weatherman and friends of Barack Hussein Obama and so on and so forth, or do they also include those from the ground up to the White House, to Barack Hussein Obama, to the Supreme Court, to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and so forth, who promote the sodomite agenda? for it to overtake and overthrow this nation, to defile and degrade this nation, who promote the induced abortion agenda, the euthanasia infanticide agenda, the agenda to prevent execution of heinous murderers and instead to murder innocent human beings who have not sufficiently recovered from traumatic incidents, including attempted murder. 
who promote the proliferation, the legalization and proliferation of vicious, murderous, heinous, sadistic pornography, who promote the prostitution of girls down to the age of 12, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, justice, 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 just justice. All right. The likes of those, if those aren't domestic enemies of the United States of America, frankly, we don't have any. If those don't constitute domestic enemies of this nation, we simply don't have any. They have continually... endeavored, used their positions of influence, access, influence, power to degrade and defile this nation, to weaken it in every way. Now, sure, Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton, James Earl Carter Jr., good old boy Jimmy Carter, supposedly Southern Baptist, good old boy, peanut farmer, ruthless politician, Jimmy Carter, and Bill Clinton, and Hillary Rodham Clinton, and Albert Arnold Gore Jr., and Barack Hussein Obama, and Michelle, and so forth, and Joe Biden, they have all done their utmost to eliminate nuclear arsenal of the United States of America. To eliminate nuclear weapons, to eliminate the nuclear arsenal. Are nuclear weapons good? No. They're horrendous. But are we better off being the only superpower on the world stage that does not have nuclear weapons? Are we better off with all of the nuclear weapons being in the hands of Vladimir Putin's Russian fascist, mafiastic regime and Xi Jinping's communist regime in mainland China and, oh, a few over there with the latest in the Kim regime in North Korea, not to mention those, the heavy presence and Islamist Pakistan, and now, of course, burgeoning nuclear weaponry in Iran, an Islamist regime in Iran, and we can look forward to there being nuclear presence in Cuba, and so on and so forth. Far better for us not to have Nuclear weapons. Well, Barack Hussein Obama made enormous strides in eliminating nuclear weapons here in the United States of America. So now Putin's Russia has more nuclear weapons than the rest of the world put together. Oh, but it would be suicide for him to start a nuclear war. It would be suicide, supposedly, the experts say. Really? 
Well, I think that's debatable. Vladimir Putin supposedly, currently, is only bent on staying in power, in retaining his position, his riches, his power. That's all he cares about, really. He's much more interested in a breathtaking legacy than in merely hanging on as long as he can. The way that Vladimir Putin came to power, well, before I get into that, let me just say, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever's right about this program is thanks to my Lord and God and his Christ Jesus Whatever's wrong about it is due to me. It's my fault. But we live in precarious times. But again, these times are precarious not just because of what opponents, opposition outside of the United States who have militaristic, world-enslaving lusts and hatred towards us, not just because of that, not just because of those factors, but also because of the extremely diminished, weakened, compromised state of the United States of America. A state in which the major media elite ballyhoo and puff teenagers for showing unprovoked disrespect towards adults. They will be adults soon enough. (laughs) And they will be able to exercise all of those great opportunities and privileges. But for our major media elites, whether it's New York Times or Washington Post or whatever all else, LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle, to lionize and champion these who disparage, say, the likes of Betsy DeVos just because. (laughs) To champion that and make a name for them and give them a bully pulpit is beyond bizarre and absurd. And it is a sign of the very degenerate times in which we live.
Back to dear Vlad, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has variously been described as previously number two man at the KGB, FSB, the successor to the KGB, but same organization, but also described as being the head of the KGB, the FSB. The FSB incantation of the KGB, the latest derivation of it. So whether I refer to it as the KGB, the FSB, or whatever all else, it's the same thing. And what is it? Here in the United States of America, we have the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, which has powers for intelligence, counterintelligence abroad. And then we have our domestic law enforcement and intelligence forces, the likes of Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, National Security Agency, which is very involved internationally, and it actually was supposed to be a support agency, We have all of the military intelligence agencies. Most of them, they're headquartered at the Pentagon, but they have great resources. But we rarely hear about them. There's the Secret Service, who has responsibility not only for the protection, the safety of the president and his family and the vice president, and his family. And when I say his, of course, we could have, we will have undoubtedly some fabulous, outstanding uh, women in those positions because after all, these positions go to the basest of men, so why not the basest of women too? And also has responsibility for protection of a great many others. It is not so limited as merely to be tasked with the defense, protection, safety of the first family and what do we call it, the second family? Anyway, then we have a multiplicity of other federal law enforcement agencies. And these are all more or less independent, supposedly, but in point of fact, They all serve at the pleasure of the president, albeit with the oversight of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Well, in Russia, it's a different system. It's a centralized system in which the buck stops with the president dictator. And the intelligence Organs are all one organization for all intents and purposes. The former KGB, the FSB, so on and so forth, GRU, they all are at the beck and call of the dictator president. They take their marching orders from him. 
And it is a behemoth organization which down through the decades, through the ages, through the history, the bloody, murderous, monstrous, satanic history of the former Soviet Union on up to the present has committed mass murder on a truly monumental scale. Vladimir Putin, like Adolf Hitler, and I don't mean to say that they are one and the same, but there are some similarities. Like Adolf Hitler, had an undistinguished early career. And had a hard, scrabble life, to say the least. It was bitterly hard. Extremely tough. Growing up in post-World War II, then Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, with the name being restored to St. Petersburg. An exceedingly hard scrabble life. And he decided that What would be best for him, best for his life, best to achieve, to accomplish anything and everything he desired was to enter the KGB. And they did not welcome him with open arms initially, but he got there. But then he did not enjoy any kind of Tremendous success as an agent, as an operative of the KGB. And during his time with the KGB, the KGB suffered a massive shock to the system as the former Soviet Union transitioned into a democracy via various different leaders' machinations, Mikhail Gorbachev, and then the freely elected (laughs) Boris Yeltsin. And Vladimir Putin had a career change. He became deputy mayor of St. Petersburg for a former professor from Leningrad State University. And interestingly enough, Vlad's corruption, in very large part, I think, led to the downfall of that mayor. But what got him the position was his reputation for uncorruption. So he was in that post for five years, Then he cast about for a new position, and he was brought on board by Boris Yeltsin, president of the new Russia, courtesy of a rich, powerful, multi-billionaire 
advisor who had had dealing with Vlad and was impressed by him. And Putin was installed at the successor to the KGB. Only now, five years, six years later, now he came back at a much, much, much higher pay grade, a much elevated rank. So it was a very, very fortuitous turn of events for Vladimir Putin. And then, well, Boris Yeltsin had his hands in the cookie jar, had all kinds of corruption, but of a more of a petty theft kind of a corruption scale. It wasn't. It wasn't petty thievery, but it was, it was white-collar crime. And he needed help. He needed extrication from that. And he was drinking heavily, and he was going to be replaced, and he needed somebody to protect him and his family. Now, this is after Vladimir has served with distinction at the FSB. He's now brought in to be prime minister to Boris Yeltsin. And amazingly, within a matter of three, four weeks, terrorist attacks occur, rocking Russia. And these are blamed on the Chechnyans, And Vladimir Putin steps up. He didn't officially take over like a coup. No, no, no. No, this was much, much more elegant than that. Much more sophisticated than that. He merely assumed powers that were not his, that were Yeltsin's. And he launched a war against Chechnya, a second war against Chechnya. And by the time the dust had settled, five months later, and it was time for the new presidential election, Vladimir Putin had risen from obscurity to fame and nationwide reputation, and he swept aside all opposition becoming the second popularly elected president of Russia. Since then, he has determinedly, consistently, continually pursued the increase in the power and the influence of Russia, Mother Russia, twinned with his self-enrichment, self-aggrandizement. Yes, for a fleeting period of time there, he seemingly stepped 
aside becoming merely the prime minister again while his stand-in puppet, Dmitry Medvedev, took over as president. How anybody could have been fooled into believing that, that there was a change in the leadership of Russia is beyond me. But interestingly enough, it took in a lot of people at home and abroad. And when he came back, after one term from Medvedev, when he came back to officially take over as president again, there were riots in the streets, and the people felt betrayed. How they could not have seen this coming, I don't know. Well, Vladimir Putin, of course, has been named Man of the Year, and he has received all manner of honors and been viewed variously as being the most powerful man in the world and what have you. The Russian military supposedly is still not up to the level of that of the United States of America. But that's not due to failing to make use of cutting-edge, stolen technology from the United States of America, the same as communist China. It's not due to failing to invest in building up its military. Its budget doesn't compare to that of the United States of America. So what? Have you ever watched... (laughs) Pardon my digression here. Have you ever watched Home and Garden TV? You'll notice one program that the costs are just prohibitive. Not only the costs of the homes, the list prices, but the costs to have work done on the homes is shocking. And then on another program, not only are the list prices of the houses much, much, much lower, but the costs to make improvements are much lower. You don't judge a military by how high the budget is. It comes down to what is the production. Well, Vladimir Putin, he has not made a name for himself as the greatest mass murderer of all time or one of the greatest mass murderers of all time. You know, he's not there with Joseph Stalin, with Uncle Joe, or with Lenin or with Mao Zedong, or Adolf. No, but he has reinstituted terror throughout Russia. Terroristic rule, and he has used very carefully targeted violence, assassination, over and over and over again. Many of his targets have been journalists. I know at one count it was 34 had been brazenly murdered. But he also has reached out across the pond to England time and again, and his most recent assassination was just days ago, committed on the 4th of this month against... Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia. 
but that's Alexander Sergei Skripal, former military intelligence officer in the KGB, FSB, and who was imprisoned there and uh, then was released and pardoned. But Vladimir Putin said some interesting things about him when he was released. And he said, traitors will kick the bucket. Trust me, these people betrayed their friends, their brothers in arms. Whatever they got in exchange for it, those 30 pieces of silver they were given, they will choke on them. And now they have been assassinated in Britain. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.